Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> it's certainly a good morning. Um, but we've talked about uh, good mornings before, right? Um, as uh, we've, as I, as I, you've heard me say it um, every Lord's Day, or ask the question, "How are you feeling?" You know, uh, again, this this question is uh, one that we need to, uh, you know. We need to be wise and savvy in how we uh, in how we translate or how we answer that question. You know, every single day that uh, you wake up is a different day, different set of circumstances. As I told you before, every Sunday that I stand up here in this pulpit, I'm I feel, and I'm using that word uh, on purpose with emphasis, a little differently than I did uh, the previous Sunday. If you remember, three weeks ago, I had a cold. I wasn't feeling very good. Uh, last Sunday, I was feeling great, um, only to turn around this Sunday, I'm kind of in between. I was doing some yard work with Heather. Uh, you know, she is a, a slave driver, and well, now my back hurts, and you know, I'm just low on energy. Um, but how I feel really has nothing to do with how I feel. Um, and, you know, I, I know that sounds like a Yogi Berra-ism, but um, how I feel every Lord's Day, I feel the same. I feel enthusiastic. I feel blessed to be part of that chosen. If you remember last Lord's Day, we talked about uh, the reason why few choose the path of a Christian. You know, Jesus himself said that the path <clears throat> that is only found by few is only found by few because straight is the gate straight is the gate and narrow is the way and therefore because of that few there be that find it you know the broad and and uh what does it say uh, wide is the the pathway that leads to destruction it's easy um, for those out in the world, those who are not believers, those who are not members of the body of Christ, to be as such. Because how they feel is exactly how they feel. Remember last Lord's Day we were talking about the peaks and valleys of life. And, uh, you know, the question came up, well then, you know, how is it that non-believers are able to go through their life? Well, they're able to go through life because they live from peak to peak. They live from day to day. Um, you know, based on good days, right? How they feel. They feel good today, uh, but they feel bad tomorrow, but their, their hope is that tomorrow they feel as good as they did yesterday. Um, but there's no guarantee in that. But us as believers, as disciples of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or disciples of Christ, period, um, we know that even though there are peaks and valleys, even though I may be feeling good today, or feeling bad today, whatever the case may be, I am still full of joy and thanksgiving with the fact that the eternal life that I have, that we have all achieved through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is within our grasp. Amen. And uh, so again, I ask the question, how do you feel today? Um, I know we have at least one brother on the line who's not feeling his best, otherwise he'd be here. But I'm sure he's smiling nonetheless. Every single day that you have to breathe is a blessing. 
um, I, I may be mentioning this statistic that um, literally, literally, and I'm not saying this with hyperbole, literally, hundreds of thousands of people died this morning. Except for all of us here in this room and those of us on the corridor. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I I don't know why God has blessed Brother and Sister Bill to, to live as long as they have, while uh, others haven't. I don't know that. I don't know the reason why our dearly departed Brother Porter left us a little early. I don't know. We don't know. But we do know that God has a plan for us. But we do know that as long as we remain faithful until death, the scripture says that when our eyes awaken, it will be in a place of paradise. And that's a blessing. And that's something to uh, give all glory and honor and, and praise to God this day. This morning I want to talk about the importance of interpersonal relationships. And or I guess I should say intrapersonal relationships. And I'm, I'll explain the reason why I'm using the word intra instead of inter. But um, I want to start off by reading uh, from 1 Corinthians. If you have a Bible this morning, uh, we'll be reading from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, starting at verse number 12. And um, I, this, this lesson came to mind. Uh, I was driving with a co-worker uh, through... I don't know if anybody's driven through Taft, California. Wow. <laughs> I worked there for a little bit. Oh, uh, my brother. Wow. I tell you. Talk about a, a, a town. You know, there was a, there was a poem that um, I, wish it, I wish I could think of the uh, title, but it talked about dry bones. Taft reminded me of, uh, of the Valley of, of Dry Bones. I mean, there is absolutely nothing there except for derrick, oil derricks. And it's, anyway, for those who live in Taft, I, 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 I don't say this to offend anyone. I'm just saying, I was driving through that town and I thought, wow, what a lonely and, and dreary place, at least my perception. I'm sure it's, it's beautiful in the winter. Um, but I was thinking about, what if I were stranded here? You know, out in the middle of the desert, you know, I had, you know, provisions, or we had provisions in the car, but what if we were stranded out here in the desert? Um, how long could I, how long would he, this this gentleman, he and, uh, the, my coworker, he and I don't know uh, each other very well. Um, we were getting to know each other through uh, this journey through the Mojave and, and Bakersfield and, and so forth and so on. I got to thinking, if we were stranded out here, um, would we be would we be at each other's throats after like day three? And I got to thinking about how that um, how that plays into my role as a Christian relative to this world, and my role as a brother to all of you is there are differences that we have, and we are not the same. We are of the same mind, the same spirit, right? Uh, the same body, but we, we like different things. Um, you know, I may like the color blue, you may like the color purple, I may like Mexican, you might like sushi. There are differences that make us individuals within this body. But nonetheless, the scripture tells us that 
We are to have strong intrapersonal relationships with one another. So much so as uh, Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, sort of verse number 12, he says, For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And as we go along through this lesson, I'll highlight to you as the prophet Isaiah highlighted to us in our scripture reading, in Isaiah the 66th chapter, is that those who are part of the sheeple, those who are believers, those who are, um, as, as, uh, as Isaiah says, those who are not transgressors, will be a part of this new heaven, this new earth, this new Jerusalem. The book of Revelation tells us in the 21st chapter that um, we will be in this place and will worship the glory of God together forevermore. And you probably heard a brother say this before in a lesson that if we can't stand to be around one another here on this side of life, um, well, chances are you won't have an opportunity to be annoyed in the next. Um, but here in uh, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, Paul talks about this, this oneness that we should have. Um, he goes on to say in uh, verse number 13, for, one, for by one spirit... Are we all baptized into one body, uh, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free? And we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And I want to talk about this in light of um, another scripture, if you have your Bibles. Let's turn over to the, uh, to the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the fourth chapter, and give me a, give me a few moments to find out. Okay, uh, it says uh, in Hebrews the fourth chapter, and we'll start at verse number eight. It says, for, for if Jesus had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. And again, this is speaking of the, uh, the time in which he would come and uh, uh, be the Savior of not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Uh, he goes on to say in uh, verse number 10, for he that is entered, or sorry, verse number 9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also had seized from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked, open unto the eyes of him um, with whom we have to do. And I'll just finish off this chapter. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, Tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, what the uh, the uh, emphasis or the the passage that really aligns with this with this lesson of interpersonal relationships is understanding that we were all sinners. You know, the, the Word of God um, is sharper and powerful um, than any two-edged sword. It's able to def, uh, to discern the thoughts and, and intents of the heart. And every single person that we know, every single person in this room, certainly, um, the prior to becoming a Christian, the thoughts and intents of our heart was set on our flesh. You know, when uh, the Bible talks about uh, the, the Jews, or the true Jews, are not Jews that are circumcised of the flesh, but those that are circumcised of the heart, what is, he, what is the, the Bible telling us is that really the only thing that separates believers from non-believers is an acknowledgement of sin. You know, the, the scripture tells us that in the book of Romans, the third chapter and verse, uh, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. That is the reason why those first 3,000 souls were added to the body of Christ in the Acts, in Acts, the second chapter. You know, when Peter was giving that Pentecostal sermon, it says that they were pricked in the heart and asked the uh, disciples, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? It was an acknowledgement that while they were Jews of every kind, um, you know, the entire Jewish diaspora to gather themselves on this day and on this place as was customary for the Jews, all of them had one thing in common, and that's sin. Just as the Jews and Gentiles had one thing in common, it was sin. Um, it goes on to uh, goes on to say here uh, in Hebrews the fourth chapter that you know neither is any creature that is not manifest in its sight is that the word of God exposes us for who we are and what we have in common. We are victims of our flesh. You know, First John tells us that uh, that the things that are in the world are what. Or the love that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the, uh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We were all victims of these three loves. But God, through His infinite love, is is uh, compassion. Um, as I said in in uh, in the in the prayer, that even from the very beginning, He set in order a plan for us to be reconciled back with Him. If you have your Bibles, turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians for a few moments. In uh, 1 Corinthians, again, the 12th chapter. It says, uh, starting at verse number 24. It says, For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, Having given, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Um, we know that uh, schism is a crack. 
Um, you know, the old saying, you step on a crack, you break your mama's back. Um, you know, so you have little kids avoiding these cracks as if they're the play. Um, I just got a new concrete laid in the back and one of the things I was concerned about was cracks, right? It's, you know, you can look at, you know, a, a uh, anything. You can look at this carpet. 99.9% .9 of the carpet is, is one contiguous carpet, except for that 0.1% that isn't. There's a seam or a crack. I mean, we can see, you know, smoothness, but it's those cracks that stand out. You know, it's these imperfections that stand out. Um, you can, you know, oversee purity, but, you know, when impurities present itself, you know, you, you have an inclination to remove it. And what Paul is saying here is that there should be a smoothness, a purity, a, a continuity, a uniformity in the body of Christ. That there is no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with or aware or when or what? I apologize. I'm tripping over my words. Or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Um, what is that to say? Well, if you look at a body of water, is there cracks in water? I mean, when was the last time you saw a crack in water? It, it, it does not exist. Well, as far as we can see, it does not exist. Right? Water is uniform. You know, you drop a, a, a stick or a stone in water, what happens? You have a, a, a flowing out of a rippling of a disturbance of that water. It's not like one part of the water just says, I'm not going to ripple. It, <laughs> it has to. It, there is a, um, um, and, I'll, and the chemist in the room, you're going to have to uh, excuse me for if, I, if I mess this up. The... You know, the, the chemical bonds that they have, that each molecule of water has, is such that, you know, the ebb and flow of one, the disturbance of one means that there is going to be a disturbance in the other. And what Paul is saying here is that we need to be like the water. We need to be like a puddle of water. You know, if one of us has a disturbance, all of us are disturbed by that disturbance. You know, we had a... Uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ across town had a fire, right? Where they're no longer able to worship in their building. Well, that shouldn't be, well, you know, it shouldn't be, and I'm not saying that any one of us in this room would say that, but, you know, it shouldn't be like, okay, well, they, they were stricken with bad luck, and I hope they get through it. You know, that disturbance should have a disturbance to us because we are all a part of this contiguous body that has no schisms in it. You know, you look at covalent bonds, right? You know, the, and, and again, I, I'm not going to go too far into the weeds because I know I'm going to mess it up, but you look at how the interlocking of two molecules of H2O together to form a body of water. It can't be broken very easily. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, one of the unique things of water that sustains life is that it the those covalent bonds aren't easily broken they it takes a lot of energy to do that now i say all that to say this 
that there are things that uh, can come between us, right? And the only thing that should come between us, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. One of the things that can come between us is sin. Now, if you look back at 1 Corinthians, uh, going back to the first chapter, Paul says, um, what does he say? I don't want to mess it up. He says, uh, uh, in verse number 10, uh, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Means, meaning, uh, you and I need to be able to call a spade a spade. Um, you know, you can't call it a spade and I call it a club. Otherwise, there's a crack. Otherwise, we're not going to be smooth and contiguous like water. And what Paul talks about here is he says that there were divisions, there were cliques. Um, he goes on to say that, you know, that these divisions led to craters such that a young man uh, was having an extramarital relationship with his father's wife. And everybody thought it was okay. We go back to uh, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, where people were, you know, bringing in food because they, were, they knew they were going to be hungry, while there were other members who didn't have food were sitting there with their stomach rumbling, watching others eat their, eat their lunch. You know, even, you know, not sharing uh, of the things that you have, a meal created a division or a divisive environment with the church in Corinth. Paul rebuked them openly, privately, sideways, up and down, uh, trying to motivate them to invest more in the intrapersonal relationships that they had within the congregation. Now, to hit this nail on the head, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians. In uh, Colossians, the uh, second chapter, and uh, we're going to read quite a bit of this, but but let's let's go ahead and start at. Uh, there's there's a lot here. Um, let's start at verse number four. And if I do a lot of reading, I apologize. I will read quickly. Uh, Colossians, the second chapter, and verse number four. Uh, Paul says this. He says, This I say, lest any man should beguile, beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, um, in the spirit, joined and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man swallow you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now I'm going to skip ahead. It says uh, in verse number 13, um, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, 
having forgiven you all trespasses. Now I'll stop right there. Um, you know, the, the, the world, <clears throat> even, even in our country, let's say, in the United States of America, where we are to, you know, we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? We're, we're all, you know, supposed to be citizens of one country, you know, a melting pot, but um, I guess I would say joined by a common goal of the pursuit of happiness, uh, of life and liberty. But even in this country, there are divisive forces that would tear us apart whether that's on the right or the left. What does it say? It says that there are philosophies and, and vain deceits. There's traditions that would keep us from being together. I mean, even if my children, um, what was it, uh, in, in some states in the Union, up until the 70s, it, it was illegal for a white man and a black woman to come together in holy matrimony because it was traditional that that did not happen. I'd, I'd say using that as an analogy of what can happen if we invest in you know things that really have no matter or rather we invest in things that uh, focus on our differences and not on the things that make us um, common or uniform um, and as Paul is saying here in verse number 8, uh, he says, or starting at verse number 6, that it is our faith that we are rooted in, that, that we are established in, that we should invest in. You know, it's that faith that binds us together. It's our faith in Jesus Christ that makes us one body. And as such, we should not, uh, we should be weary of any philosophy or vain deceits or tradition of men or the rudiments of this world that would come between us and break us apart. You know, the scripture tells us in the book of Romans that, uh, that there is nothing that can come between us and the love of God. There's not a mountain, there's not a power, there's not a philosophy, there's not, you know, a racism, uh, any of those things that you can think of that can separate us from the love of God. And how does that manifest, or how should that manifest itself in our interpersonal relationships within the body? Well, it should manifest in, in this way, that as long as we have faith, and as long as we all profess the faith of Jesus Christ, as long as we are all investing in our love for God, it shouldn't matter what goes on in this world. We will all still be part of that same body. And <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, just as a side note, um, turn to uh, Matthew the ninth chapter. Now, in Matthew the ninth chapter, it says that uh, in verse number, um, let's say verse number eleven. Uh, the Pharisees, as they were walking around again, Matthew 9, starting at verse number 11, they witnessed an amazing thing. They saw Jesus Christ sitting down with a meal um, with publicans and sinners. And they asked, him, they asked his disciples the question, well, why is your master doing that? Um, you know, if he's you know, proclaiming to be the son of God or God himself, why would he be 
caught dead, sitting down with a meal with publicans and sinners. Jesus, when he heard this, as it says in verse number 12, he said, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And just think if, for a second, if um, Jesus had the, 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 the counter thought, right? Just, just think if he just came to this earth to uh, spread his gospel to those who were already believers. Well, then what would be the value in him sacrificing himself on the cross? It would have no value. It would be vain. Um, it, it would not fulfill God's intended purpose. I go back to even the example where Peter, um, in the book of Galatians, it says that Peter was sitting down with the Gentiles, but when the Jews came in the room, it says that Peter separated himself um, from the Gentiles. Paul, having witnessed this, he rebuked him openly. Why is that? Well, the reason why that is, is because God is not a respecter of persons, and neither should we. God came to, as, as when I, and I won't even paraphrase, I'll use Jesus' words point blank. Jesus came to call the righteous, came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, what makes us common is that we are all imperfect. That we, in and of ourselves, could not make heaven our home, absent the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, when you're walking up to a brother or sister to shake their hand, they may smell bad. They may have bad breath. I, I, nobody's laughing at my joke. Okay. They may not be the person that you would go out and, and you, know, you know, of all the choices that you have to spend an afternoon with, they may not be the person that you would choose to spend an afternoon with. Um, they, they may not like the team that you like. Um, they may come from a, a different side of the tracks. But what makes, what gives us the ability to greet one another with a holy kiss is the acknowledgement that we are all subject to the flesh. And we are all sinners. Romans, the, the sixth chapter, and I'm going to read it. Uh, Romans, the sixth chapter, it's in ver uh, six, verse 17. It says, But God be thanked that ye were, that we were the servants of sin. But ye, we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered us. Being then made free from sin, we became the servants of righteousness. You know, we are different. Not because of anything that we had or not because of anything that we did, but because of the love of God. I mean, and if there was anything that we did was that we obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to each and every one of us. So when we, when we, <clears throat> you know, these schisms that occur, 
um, and I'm going to just talk about it for a second, is, you know, you look at a piece of concrete, what, how does that crack come to be? Well, the ground underneath can settle, right? Maybe there's one part of the concrete is on, is on a solid foundation or another part of the concrete isn't. So you get this, this, this slumping or this, this uh, unevenness, and because the, uh, the concrete is rigid, it just can't flex with that unevenness, so it cracks. And I'm using this specifically, is if our foundation is a solid one, based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if we're laying onto it more concrete, well, what is that foundation? What will that foundation never do? It will never flex or bow. Because we know that the foundation is sure. And if it won't flex or bow, then anything that's built on top of it will not flex or bow. So I would say is if the congregation here in the corner of 4th and P has any cracks, any schisms in this family, this body here in the corner of 4th and P, it's because that we didn't build on the right foundation. Or our foundation is no longer sure. Run underneath our feet. None of us have worried about this floor falling through. There's pillars of concrete that are resting upon a foundation. There have been earthquakes that have come through this town, but this building hasn't fallen down because whomever put it here has built it upon a solid foundation. And so if we all want to be one, one body uh, with no schisms in it, then we need to make sure our foundation is sure. Um, so if you're here this morning and uh, you have, <clears throat> maybe you've, you've been a little bashful, maybe um, you've been a little bit shy, um, maybe you've been you know, afraid, if you will, um, to invest in those interpersonal relationships. I go back to the saying again today, uh, earlier, is if you can't do it in this life, uh, you won't have the pleasure of being annoyed in the next. Um, and so every single day that we have an opportunity um, to be with one another is, is a blessing. Um, every opportunity that we have to share, um, we need to be like the water and if one is disturbed, then all are disturbed. If one is rejoicing, then all are rejoicing. If one is going through a difficult time, we're all going through a difficult time. I mean, we need to stay as one body until Jesus Christ calls us home, where we'll gather with him in the clouds, and we will be with him forevermore. Again, if you're here this morning and you need prayers of strength, if there's a fault that you've been overcome with, those of us who are righteous will pray on your behalf. The scripture tells us the, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much, so you can come to the right place. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, it's important to hear of the oneness of hope, the oneness of faith, uh, the oneness of the body. Uh, as Jesus has told us that he came to this earth to die on the cross, and, and as such, he purchased this body, this church, with his blood. Uh, this body and his, this church is described in the scripture as the bride of Christ. And therefore, it is customary that we carry his name, which is the reason why we have Church of Christ on our marquee. One must hear, believe, repent, 
confess and be baptized, um, to begin their journey, begin their walk with Christ and live faithfully until death in order to obtain a crown of life. So we're going to sing a song of invitation, uh, and then afterwards the invitation is open to those who are in the building on the prayer line um, to uh, make a request. Thank you very much for your time and attention.